Kim, and I welcome you to the Four Prompts on Death podcast, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Morgan Allen. Morgan is a 30-year-old weightlifter, dog mom, and daughter. I met Morgan through her fiancé, John Foley, my good friend and previous interviewee for the podcast. During this conversation, we discuss her father's death by suicide, the evolution of her family dynamics, and the hurdles to starting her own family. Before we talk more about Morgan, um, eh, let's just keep talking about Morgan. Let's make this a let's do let's. I'm gonna start doing quicker intros. We'll do, we'll get to the to the good stuff faster, so you don't hear me rambled for too long. So Morgan is a literal person, a girl, a sister, a daughter, a fiance, a dog mom, and a weightlifter. Before Morgan dies, she wants to start a family, to find her tribe of support system and friends and people around her, and to figure out how to have true balance in life. When Morgan dies, she wants to die peacefully and not in pain, and her family and friends to not be left uncomfortable or burdened in any way by her. After Morgan dies, she wants life to go on. And in conclusion, Morgan says, look at everybody around you and be a little bit more open. I think those are great, great words, Morgan. So this was recorded back in February, uh, well before this uh, coronavirus started to get uh, hot and heavy in the United States. Um, we talk about her planned wedding, which is actually which was scheduled for September and is now delayed, um, unfortunately. And uh, some of her, she'll, we, t- we go into her weightlifting bits, and um, uh, she's planning to. Her goal is to qualify for the uh, national. American weightlifting champions or like meets um and one of the meets that she was planning for was the American Open scheduled for December of this year 2020 um but it sounds like I just reached out to Morgan like hey how are things going you know she she built a gym in her garage so that she can at least continue weightlifting even though if it's not like the facility she might be used to but she's still you know kind of trying to train um as much as you know between moving and you know all this other wacky stuff of life um so just just to give you kind of a little like uh three months on four months on update about how things are going with work it'll make more sense when she listens to the actual interview anyway i hope you are ready for a really lovely conversation with morgan allen on death Uh, it is February 8th, 2020. Uh, I am sitting here in my Orfield, Pennsylvania home, and Morgan Allen is sitting in her uh, Quincy, Massachusetts home, and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Morgan, what are the four prompts? I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt of I am? Um, so... I actually put thought into this beforehand because I am a very literal person. And so when I hear I am, I say I am a girl, I am a sister, I am a daughter, fiance, dog mom, weightlifter. Those are the things that I am from a more introspective perspective. I don't know how to answer that. (laughs) Okay. Well, then let's handle it literally for now. Um, You are, uh, wait, what was that first one? I am a like a girl. A a lady, girl. A well, girl. At first I said I am a literal person. Then I said I am a girl, a sister. Okay, so let's handle those first. What does it mean to be a girl or a sister to you? Um, 
to be a sister, I mean, I have a brother. He's older than me. We, have, sorry. <laughs> um, my brother and I have had a, you know, your standard brother-sister relationship. I'm a younger sister, so uh, I've always tried to be his friend. I We're close now. Um, I, I don't, we have a, a, the best relationship we've ever had now that we're older. Uh, but when we were younger, you know, it's the standard brother, sister, we fight all the time. He picks on me. Um, we don't talk for days. Uh, I don't know. Standard brother, sister type of way of looking at it, I guess. How, how much older is he than you? He is three years older than me. Okay. Um, and then for like, let's say for somebody who is like an only child or like, the oldest of like seven like what what is like I, you said you mentioned a little bit like there's a lot of fighting there's a lot of like yeah. kind of button heads but like what else like when 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 over the past few years did you notice your relationship change into something that was different from like when you were kids so it was actually a pretty specific point I think when our relationship changed because um when he was in college and I was a senior in high school mm-hmm. he actually dropped out of school and moved to Australia for a couple years oh. and before he had moved to Australia um our we didn't really have a relationship at all like you know I'm in high school he's in college he's doing his thing um and then when but he, when he was in Australia I feel like maybe he started to get a little homesick and so that's when we started talking more and started actually becoming friends more than just brother sister mm-hmm. um so I would say that was when our relationship changed. Oh, I see. And was it like, were you like texting or like messaging each other, emailing? Like what, what, what was this, like, how did that develop over that time? Um, mostly just via phone calls. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, senior in high school was 2006. So international texting was still expensive at that point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so we couldn't really talk unless he called from, mm-hmm. from Australia. So, um, yeah. And then when he came home to visit a couple times, we would actually like hang out, which was always a little bit like, Oh, are we, are we friends now? Can I talk to you about things? Mm-hmm. This is weird. <laughs> and then, uh, when he came back, uh, does he live near you right now? Or like, does he still live in Pennsylvania? Yeah, he still lives in Pennsylvania. He um, does not live in the town where we grew up. He's like 30 minutes away from there, um, further south. He has a, he's married, he has a son. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see him every time we go home to visit. Um, but other than that, I don't really see him very often. Okay. Uh, but it sounds like it's just, it's been a nice like change. There's been a definite shift in the relationship. Oh yeah, for sure. The other day I um, was on the phone with him in the car and he, you know, he was on the Bluetooth speaker or whatever. And John was in the car with me and we were hanging up and he said, I love you. And I didn't say it back. I just hung up the phone and John was like, you don't say I love you back. And I'm like, this is a a new development that just started happening. And I haven't really figured out if I'm supposed to respond yet, if he actually means to say that, or if it's just a habit. (laughs) Mm, mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of change. How, how old is the nephew? He will be two this month. Oh, oh, wow. So that's also a very new thing. There's a lot, I feel like there's just a lot of change in the air, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Since having a kid, he's definitely become a bit more of a softy, which mm. I feel like is probably when the hanging up and saying, I love you started happening. And it's kind of like, is that an accident? Did you, <laughs> why are you saying that to me? <laughs> okay. Um, and then what is a uh, sweet covered sister? What does it mean to be a girl? Um, that's a tough one. I don't even know how to respond to that just because being a girl is different for everybody, right? Like mm -hmm. being a girl doesn't mean you wear dresses and you put on makeup and you do your hair every day because I do none of those things. Um, I, I don't know. I, I find that a hard question, especially in today's day and age where like gender is such a non-specific thing like you can be a girl and you can enjoy going to the gym and you could um enjoy uh I don't even know what else would be like a non-stereotypical girl thing off the top of my head um but I think just identifying physically as a girl is sort of sort of how I've always looked at it like I said very literal person I don't know how to <laughs> So like, I guess, let me put it this way. How do you, have you had role models for how you want to be a girl or like, or, or maybe examples of what you don't want to do or like, how, how have you kind of settled into this role as a lady or a girl? And um, what has that been like for you? I mean, my mom's always been a role model to me as a, a female, as a woman. Um, and she's not, necessarily the type that likes your stereotypical girl things either uh growing up she was always she always went to the gym would go uh swimming every morning um she worked very hard at everything she did um and so I sort of looked at her as like a, a strong female not like I don't know it sounds terrible today to say not like a weak uh passive female um, so I've just always tried to emulate that a bit, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I think this segues very nicely into the daughter role that you were talking about. Um, like what, uh, how has your relationship with your mother changed? Um, what is it like now? Um, I think growing up, I had a very standard relationship with my mom. Teenage years as a, as a, a girl is rough between a mother and a daughter. <laughs> pushing each other's buttons like knock down fights all the time screaming mm -hmm. yelling um definitely a few years where we did not get along very well but then as I get into my adult age um through college got much closer and I talked to my mom every day uh I mean we also worked together so I sort of have to talk to her every day <laughs> but besides <laughs> that I talked to her just to check in every day um we're, we're very close um mm. so so you work together now or you used to? We work together now. Oh, how closely? Uh, very. She is, also, <laughs> she is also a project manager for the same company, and we um, do work on one of the same clients. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> and then, so uh, over, over the past few years, it sounds like, like, what, so was it like during college, was it a similar thing, phenomena, like almost like when your brother went to Australia, was it when you went to school and you were kind of like getting homesick or like, what was the process of like, kind of come, going back to your mom and be like, Mom. Um, 
So I think my mom and I's relationship started getting stronger probably when I was in college. Um, I was away my freshman year and my first semester sophomore year. And my mom um, had been dating somebody and they broke up. And I remember being really sad because she was sad that she got broken up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I remember that because it was the first time I like empathized with anything that she was feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first time I think I recognized like wanting to take care of her. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so that was when I really started, I think, being closer and, and um, more in touch with her and trying to be friends with her and all of that sort of stuff. And then I moved home um, my second semester, sophomore year. And I also, I think we might have stepped back from being friends a little bit during that period because being in college and living with your mother and, you know, having her trying to pay attention to what you're doing and putting rules on you when you're like, I'm 21 years old, I'm going out with my friends and I may or may not be back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little hard, but, um, yeah. Were you, uh, did you transfer schools or was it that you lived like out of the house and then you moved back into the house? I transferred twice. So I went to three different colleges. (laughs) Yeah. I transferred out of the first school I went to. And then I was at like a commuter school close to home, which you couldn't finish your degree there. I would have had to, it was Penn state. I would have had to go to main campus. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did not want to go to main campus. Um, and so then I had to find another school that I could stay commuting, but would take all my credits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And Okay. And then uh, was it during that time when you moved back in after sophomore year that like, did you need a little bit more space? Like what ha- like how did, how, how did you get to now? You know? Um, I don't know. I think it just organically developed. Um, she, so when I was a junior in college, um, was a junior or senior year? I don't, I don't remember. She quit her job and started working for herself. Okay. Uh, and I remember looking at her and being like, but what about me? I'm still in college. How are, how are we going to, how are you going to pay for my school? <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> you don't have a job. Um, and I think, watching her do that was just kind of a really cool thing to just watch her like have the courage to do something like that and just talking about with her about it and why she did it and everything um I don't know just being there while she was doing all of this the major life change brought us closer Mm -hmm. okay and then there is another whole aspect to being a daughter that we haven't talked about yet in terms of your relationship with your father um what's what's that whole ball wax uh well my dad died about 10 years ago in march um and my parents had been divorced since um 2001 i think that was eighth grade they divorced they separated when i was in eighth grade and Mm -hmm. uh, whatever. So, uh, the divorce wasn't, uh, was not a great situation. Um, Mm -hmm. my dad was an alcoholic, uh, my my entire life growing up. I remember 
we were at my aunt's house and he, my mom got a call that he had gotten a DUI and gotten arrested mm-hmm. while he was at the shore at this beach house that we owned with another family. And I remember hearing my mom yell at him and that was, that was the end. That was when they divorced. Um, and so they didn't have a gr- like a very amicable split and it came out that he had been cheating on her and mm. all of this stuff. And really after that, I was within the family. I was the only person that stayed in touch with him. My brother is one to hold grudges rather than mm-hmm. try and maintain relationships. So he didn't really talk to my dad much. Um, and then um, in high school, at some point, my dad got arrested and was in jail for a while. And I was trying to like call him and get a hold of him and couldn't get a hold of him. And um, when he got out, the girl, the woman he was with at that point in time broke up with him and he came to the house to take me out to dinner or something like that. And him and my brother got into like a physical altercation mm-hmm. um, and I ran away. <laughs> um, so my relationship with my dad was always a little bit hard because I was trying to like maintain this relationship while everybody around me seemed to not really want to be around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2010, Um, so in 2010, after he had, it was a few years after he had been arrested, he was working, he couldn't work like in the field he had been working in my entire life. So he was working in construction and, um, he wasn't happy for a really long time. And I had been pulling away from him. Sorry, I haven't talked about this in a really long time. <laughs> it's okay. You can take all the time you need. We can also table this for later because I can tell that this is a real, this is a thing. And uh, we can dig into it in a little bit. When we can, we open the door and we can kind of close it for a little bit because we got a lot of time. Yeah. It's fine. I just need to suck it all back in for a second. <laughs> Um, I can keep going. It's good. So in 2010, um, after he had been out of like his line of work, he, whatever was very unhappy. I had been pulling away from him because uh, I could just tell he was falling back into some of his old, not great ways. And, um, I wake up one morning to a text message from him that says, my suicide note is on my computer. And I had ignored his phone calls like for the couple of days leading up to this. And so I see that text message and I start calling him and I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Like, that's not fair. You can't just like send that text message at nine in the morning and like (laughs) not answer my phone, whatever. Well, came to find out he had sent that text message and then immediately shot himself. So, um, and he did it in his car on the construction site that he was working on. 
Um, so I've always felt like I did something wrong as a daughter with him because I was ignoring him leading up to that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I, if I was his daughter and he was calling me, I should have answered the phone. So yeah, that, that was a bad time. <laughs> I imagine. And that was 10 years ago. So you were, is that was, that was in college, right? Yeah, I was a, I was 20. What year is 2010? I was finishing my sophomore, finishing my junior year. I see. Oh, and so that was part of like that whole like transition while you were trying to get the whole, that's, there's so a lot was happening during that yeah. time. Yeah. Did that, how did that affect your relationship with your mother? Um, it probably brought us closer together. I mean, how how could it not right I mean I guess it could either push you guys away from each other or bring mm-hmm. it closer together um there was one point I remember watching her stand up for me that I was like oh she she's like got my back because my dad had been dating this woman this horrible beast of a woman and I was trying to my mom they were had been divorced for almost 10 years at this point and my mom was the one taking care of, okay, well, what do we do with him? What do we do with all of his stuff? Like, what do we do? How do we settle all of this stuff, whatever? And so we were trying to get into his apartment to get, you know, records to try and settle Mm -hmm. thing. And so I called this woman and I was like, okay, when can we come down? Like we got to, and she went off on me telling me I was a bad daughter and I wasn't mm. around and everyone's trying to steal from her. And I sort of lost it on her, like saw red. I don't even really remember what I said, just like standing in my kitchen, like pointing at nothing mm. <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> um, and my mom was cooking and my best friend was in the bathroom and I hung up and I remember my friend Kayla comes out of the bathroom. She's like, what did I just miss? My mom was standing there like, what just happened? And like, this woman called me a bitch. Like she was really rude to me. And so my mom called her back and like left her this message laying into her saying, if you ever talk to my daughter like that again, I have lawyers. We will come after you and take you for everything you have. (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, that's where my crazy comes from. And second of all, (laughs) back (laughs) Mm -hmm. so and where was this in terms of like the period of her quitting her job and starting like her own it was like right around that time was it before after she was already doing her own thing as a matter of fact she the day that this happened she was in Atlanta with my brother working at a trade show um and they were like on the trade show floor and I was home alone (laughs) trying to call them, trying to get a hold of anybody. And I couldn't get a hold of them. And so, I mean, obviously I finally did eventually that day and they got on the first plane out, Mm -hmm. but um, she was already in her new job and not even home when it all happened. Wow. Yeah. So it sounds like that there's just a lot of change happening around that time. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And then I guess, what was your relationship? Because it sounds like your brother had already returned from Australia at that time. And so what was your relationship with him like during this whole, like over the next couple of years? Um, it was, that was probably, that was definitely during the time when we were getting much closer. So, um, <clears throat> you know, like I said, him and my dad had a, a not great relationship because 
Ryan has always been the type to just, oh, you burnt me, then we're done. Um, and so mm-hmm. when all of this happened, there was not, I mean, he was sad for sure and trying to sort out what, what he felt, but I don't, I don't think I ever saw him cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was weird, but um, he definitely helped me a lot. Like he, the girl he was dating at the time, they all sort of um, helped try and support me more because I think I was, more, I don't know if I was more sad than him, to be honest with you, but I think I was outwardly more sad than him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I want to take a t- step back from this topic because we're going to, I think we're, there are other ways to dig into it later. Um, but I'm really glad we opened this up and I really appreciate it that you were able to, you know, power through in the way that you did. Um, and so let's, let's pivot to something that I think is a little bit easier for you to talk about at this time would be the dog mom status. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have one of them right next to me now. <laughs> um, so I have two dogs, Dublin and Soja. I've had, I got Dublin see it's two I've got him in 2011 so was that eight years ago Mm -hmm. um I got him in December of 2011 so yeah eight years ago I was just graduate well I had graduated college but I was just getting my first full-time job I was still living at home with my mom and I was just like I want a dog can I get a dog and she said yes and so that same day she said yes I put her in the car and took her to the shelter because (laughs) if she had any time to think about it she would have gone back on her yes mm-hmm. um and Dublin was my little buddy he's like the best thing that ever happened um, how old was he when you first got him he was full grown so when you go to the Lehigh Valley Humane Society in the big dog section all of the dogs are between one and three it's a big age range in my opinion but mm-hmm. he was full grown they knew nothing about him he had been abandoned at the shelter overnight one night um and when I was in the shelter looking at all the dogs you know they're all jumping and barking and going crazy and then I get to Dublin's cage and he's just laying there all perfect with his head between his paws mm. and I sit down in front of his cage and he starts like waving at me with one of his paws I'm like yeah that's my dog that's him right mm. there um so he was full grown took him to the vet they said he was probably older than three so he's pretty old now he's probably like 11 or 12 mm-hmm. how um, long had he been at the shelter before you got him not eight or nine months okay a while Um, but I had him then for about four years or wait, so just going to be six. So I had him for about three, I don't know, a couple of years before Mm -hmm. I got Soja and Soja, I actually got with an ex of mine. Um, he like sent me a picture of her. She was a puppy. She was born at a rescue and, um, I went and saw her and applied for her and we technically got her together. Mm-hmm. Um, but she lived in with me and with Dublin. And so then when we split up, she stayed with me. So and these are my two little babies. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like Soja now is uh, what, like six-ish? Yeah, she'll be six in May. Six-ish. And, and then uh, Dublin is like almost a decade old, maybe? Yeah, probably around that, yeah. Is he starting to show his age? Oh my God, yeah. Which is really sad. He's, I mean, he's always been very slow, but he's slower now. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes all he wants to do is go out and pee. He doesn't even want to walk around the block. Um, John is funny. I think John takes his aging 
harder than I do. You know, we'll see him limp for about a day and he starts freaking out that his hips don't work anymore. And I'm just like, I'm fine. He just wants to sleep. Or if he sleeps all day, you know, he, he freaks out a little bit, but yeah, he definitely, he's slower. He sleeps more, but he's fine. We, because of all of the freakouts, we've taken him to the vet and gotten a full panel of blood work. And the vet just looked at us like we had four heads because he's perfectly healthy. <laughs> he's just old. He's an old, old, old little guy. Tired. <laughs> <laughs> and did you have dogs growing up? I had a dog when I was little, little. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, his name was Keel. He was a black lab and we put him down when I was in second grade. Mm-hmm. I've never had a dog after that. But my aunt always had dogs, and um, she, whenever she would come to visit, she would always bring her dog with a with her to stay with us. So mm. I had always wanted another dog, but never got one. And I guess what is your like, you know, like how how are you like how? It sounds like like John's handling the the whole like Dublin aging thing tough. Like how are you handling? Like what are you like like you know like how are you projecting forward in the next couple of years for him? Oh, I pretend it doesn't happen. I do the super healthy thing. (laughs) (laughs) I, I say all the time, Dublin's going to live forever, which I know is not the case, but, um, even thinking about anything happening to either of the dogs is enough to make me break down. So I, uh, yeah, whenever that day comes, that's going to (laughs) suck. It's going to suck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, it it will it will come eventually. But for now, I'm just enjoying getting to spend all the time I can with him. And working from home is great because I literally spend all of the time with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no there's no you couldn't spend more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, did you have a religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood? Yes and no. Yes, in that when I was little, we went to church every Sunday. We went to an Episcopal church. Um, My mom had a Catholic upbringing. My dad had an Episcopal upbringing. And so when they got married, I guess they just went his way. Um, And we went to church every Sunday and I did Sunday school when I was super, super little, but we didn't like, there was no praying at home. Um, We didn't like talk about the Bible or anything like that. It was truly just, we went to church on Sunday. And then that sort of started to slow down as, I mean, was I might've still been in elementary school when we stopped like mm-hmm. going to church as frequently. Um, and then when my parents, I mean, even before my parents split, we had fully stopped, like not even maybe on Christmas Eve, we would go. But mm-hmm. then when my parents split, we fully stopped going to church. I actually mm-hmm. can't tell you the last time I've been in a church. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um what what do you like okay how about this will the will when do you think the next time you'll step into a church is i don't know i don't know i have any reason to go back to one it's not that i think there's anything wrong with religion or um like poo poo on people who believe in religion i just don't connect with it in any way so I don't see the value in spending my time there Mm -hmm. and then do you have separate from religion a spiritual practice or a set of beliefs now no I don't 
and not for lack of wanting some sort of spiritual belief, just that I don't know where to find that or how to find that or what type of spiritual belief I'm looking for. Like, do I believe there is something out there, you know, some bigger thing? Yeah, sure. I don't, what is that? I have no idea, but mm -hmm. um, I haven't like taken any time to explore finding that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And then let's, let's pivot back into that list of I am of, uh, I think the last thing on that list was weightlifter. Is that right? Yeah. What's, what's that been like? Um, time consuming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started weightlifting. I don't four or five years ago something like that I got into it through CrossFit um, and when we say weightlifting we mean Olympic weightlifting yes yes um so I got into it through CrossFit just because I hated the cardio aspect of CrossFit I enjoyed <laughs> lifting the weights um and then I got a coach my coach now almost I think it was almost four years ago which is kind of crazy to think about um and I just enjoy it. It's just fun to feel strong, to get strong, to, you know, see improvements, although slow improvements. Um, it's still, they're tangible. Like I started here and now I'm here mm -hmm. type of improvements. Um, it's time consuming in that, like I have these goals that are goals of mine for no other reason than I just want to do them. But in order to meet those goals, I have to like spend as much time as possible training and really committing myself to it, not just in the gym, but like in my diet and um, how I rest and all of that sort of stuff and giving up on per, uh, like social events and outings and things like that. Sometimes I have to pass on that stuff in order to um, stay on track. So uh, it's it's a, a lot to dedicate yourself to, but I enjoy it. And it definitely has an end. That's the other thing. I have these goals and there's a time limit in trying to achieve them because there's going to be a point in my life where I can't dedicate the same amount of time to the training and to the recovery and to the eating and all of that. So I have to sort of try and get it in before all that ends. Do you know when that end point is for you? I actually was just saying, oh, sorry. Ooh. That was brisk. <laughs> yeah, let me turn this on Do Not Disturb. Um, but I actually was just saying this morning to John, um, probably only have about maybe a year and a half left of being able to give this much time to it because we do want to have children. Mm -hmm. And I can't be, you know, pregnant <laughs> for nursing <laughs> and spending three hours at the gym. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is that is pre-baby time. That <laughs> is for sure. Yeah. So, so like stepping back, um, did you have an athletic uh did you have an athletic background growing up or was CrossFit really like your first awakening? What was that like? Um so yes, ish. I did a lot of sports growing up. I I played, you know, club soccer growing up. I did t-ball. I, um, in middle school, I played field hockey. I did track and field and I swam pretty much my whole life growing up. Um, swimming was probably the only sport that I truly like dedicated myself to over years though. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I s- finished swimming my senior year of high school, but not because I chose to finish swimming. I was kicked off the team. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but swimming was, I mean, my athletic background consisted of very little effort, but being mildly okay at sports, which I don't think helped me in like my <laughs> helped me figure out how to truly practice and truly dedicate yourself to something. That was something mm-hmm. I've had to teach myself in weightlifting for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would go to practice for swimming. Like it sounds so like I'm trying to toot my own horn when I say things like this, but I'd go to practice like once a week and I would win my races in swimming. So mm-hmm. <laughs> if I had really tried harder, I could have maybe been good. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I always think of like, why are people drawn to certain activities and like the clean and jerk and the snatch are there? It's just like this, it's one movement, right? It's like, it's, I mean, yes, there's a lot of variability and like, like different kinds of like snap pulls and things you can do, but it's like, essentially you're doing the same thing over and over again, like, or at least that's what you're, you know, the, the, the sport aspect of it. But I also see a lot of like, like I come from a rowing background of crew and I did it was just the same stroke over and over again and in swimming it's very similar because you're you're kind of, yes they're like this it's free and then there's the back you can do the medley but it's like you're really kind of doing the same thing over and over again um yeah. and I wonder how much of that kind of like the repetitive like that repetition aspect is uh attractive to you yeah it's I yeah it's I mean you're repeating it enough until you find uh like the the perfect stroke or the perfect pool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a very individual achievement. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. You find that perfect stroke or perfect pool or perfect lift or whatever. Uh, you don't. There's. You don't have to like count on the other team members to help you get there. And I prefer that. I don't. I, if I'm gonna do it, I want to do it myself. I don't want to have to count on other people. <laughs> <laughs> And so what are some of those goals that you have for um, your weightlifting career? I have always said I wanted to qualify for the national meets, um, which quite honestly, I thought was going to be something I was able to achieve much sooner in my endeavors, but I have not been able to do that. You see so many people who come into the weightlifting world and they go to one or two meets and they qualify immediately. And they're just these like freak athletes who maybe had a much more athletic background growing up. So they might have a better like starting point. They were like you for swimming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've gotten much closer. I actually would have qualified at my last meet had I not blacked out and failed my jerk. But um, so I'm much closer now uh, than I've ever been. So this last year, year and a half that I have, I'm just going to like truly throw everything I have at it. (laughs) So in terms of like the quote, like the imaginary timeline, it's like you have you have like one more season of training for for a competition lift to qualify for nationals. And then would you then try to then like in theory participate in nationals that like that following Yeah, I'd like to actually go. And I don't care if I'm in an A session. I could be in the D session. I I don't need to win. This is just like a a personal, a personal win more than anything else. I'm not gonna be the next great Olympian. I'm just going to be some 
girl on the platform that made it there. And I think that's impressive. You don't, you don't walk mm-hmm. into any weightlifting gym and meet 12 people who've been to, you know, nationals. So I think it's an achievement, even if you're in the D session. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, so like, in theory, like which, what would, like, when would be the nationals that you would be able to participate in? So they're typically every May. So there's one this coming May, which I did not and will not qualify for. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is obviously next May. But in between there, there's uh, American Open Championships, which is in December. Mm-hmm. So my first goal is to qualify for that and then go to nationals next May. Gotcha. And this is all while planning and or participating in wedding stuff and maybe a move and who knows what else. <laughs> No, why not? <laughs> why not? Why not? Yeah, might as well cram all those goals in. That's that's you know, and then and then baby, <laughs> baby yeah. that one. Yeah, okay. That seems so much more um, tame of a goal at that this point of just the baby because there'll be nothing else to do but the baby at that point. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it uh, things get complicated in a weird oh, way. I know they do. I'm not trying to like downplay. Yeah, yeah. Baby, yeah. But uh, I just feel like hopefully by that point, some of these other goals will be checked off my list and I'll feel more ready to have a baby and can put all of my effort into that rather than spreading it across all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And then like watching those and then like with the dream still like in total dream status versus being like, I I did as much as I could have done reasonably with the time that it takes to do these things. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like we've dug really good into this list. Is there anything else from that list of I am that I'm missing? I don't think so. All right. So then how do you finish that next prompt of before I die, I want? Before I die, I want to start a family. I want to um, find, quote unquote, find my tribe of support system and friends and people around me. Um. And I want to figure out how to have true balance in life between work and family relationships and um, my relationship with John and friend relationships and just like find a a nice balance between everything. Mm -hmm. Solid list. Um, Let's, let's dig into it. So from the family stuff, um, since we were just talking about that, like what, um, what what do you how many how many children let's let's just start there how many kids do you imagine for yourself and john two two there was a point in time where i thought three but then i have two hands like there's two of us (laughs) (laughs) after that you get outnumbered it's a whole thing man-to-man defense sounds like a really great strategy (laughs) okay um and then what is it uh, i mean what is it about being you know being biologically able to have children and your desire to actually like fulfill that and and why like what what is it about family that's important to you um I like the the connection you can have with your family I don't I don't think I don't think just because you have a child or because you create this family that means you're going to be um connected but I like the idea of, you know, having a baby and doing your best to mold it into this good person who wants to do good for others and do good in the world um, and just be connected in some way other than just a friendship 
uh, type of situation. I don't know, that might sound selfish that I want to feel connected to somebody because they're biologically mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I just think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, it's, a, it's a question that's kind of hard to ask because it's like, uh, it's sort of like everybody wants a family, right? But it's like, yeah. you know, but like it's for, for such different reasons and um, from all different backgrounds that we're coming from. And so like, grow let me let me put it this way like so you oh speaking of baby uh, (laughs) so like in theory you're gonna get married you're gonna set you're gonna like slow down this weightlifting stuff and you're gonna have a baby within the next like let's say three four years is that a fair like possibility you know the biological clock is ticking for sure um (laughs) but like in theory the age difference between your child and your brother's child would be at most five years, right? And so like, did you have an extended family experience growing up? Um, Did you have like cousins? Is that something that you, is that like an important thing for you that you want to have for your children? Yeah, so I do have cousins on my mom's side. Um, How many, there are two, there are like seven of us, I think. Mm -hmm. maybe six I don't know um but I'm the youngest and I am the only girl cousin Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course yeah so I had all these cousins and we did all the holidays together and birthdays and but I never had like you know my cousin is my close friend not only because they're all boys but because most of them were so much older than me um how much how much older is the oldest he is uh, is he in his mid-40s now he's close to f- pretty old mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at least 15 years older than me gotcha <laughs> yeah I mean there are pictures of them like of me like as a small child and my cousins and like they're like in high school so um gotcha. yeah they're pretty pretty much much older than me um but then on my dad's side I had cousins I couldn't even tell you how many of them there are because uh when my dad and my mom were together and when I was much younger, we did do some holidays with them. Um, but that stopped when my parents split and that side of the family sort of just like went away. Like Mm. they stopped reaching out. I mean, obviously I didn't reach out to them, but I was also like 12 or 13 or something. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so I don't have a relationship with that side of the family at all. So I don't even know how many cousins I have over there. Is that something you would want to change going forward? Or is that something you're not, you got a lot on your plate right now as it is? Change my relationship with them? Yes. Uh, maybe. I don't really care, to be honest with you. Um, if, if some, if I saw them, I would not like, you know, run away and pretend like I didn't know them. I don't know that I would recognize them to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't care to put the effort in to try and fix that. I, my one aunt since my dad died has been reaching out more often, but mm-hmm. like the fact that it took my dad dying for her to start reaching out has always been like a, what the hell does it matter now? Like. Mm-hmm you weren't here before. So why are you here now type of feeling, which Mm -hmm. might not be the right way to look at it, but it just sort of is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, 
so I mean, I guess they're trying to make an effort and maybe I should be more open to it, but um, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I think that's fair. There's a lot. Um, there's a lot there. There's a lot of sort of like the wedding. It's like there's a lot of expectations and, and different experiences that people are having that it's really hard to know even what to do. Yeah. I'm like, I, so my, his mom, my grandmother died after him. Mm-hmm. And I did go to that funeral. My brother didn't go. I made my mom come with me so I didn't have to go by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody really talked to me even there. Like they came over and they said hi and asked me how I was doing. And then that was it. Then we left. And that was the last time I've ever seen any of them. And that was years and years and years ago. So um, it was just like, if you're not even going to talk to me here and now, then I guess that's pretty much it. <laughs> mm. Is the grandfather on that side still, is he, did he, has he already died or is he still kicking? Yeah. So to add even more complication to all of it, um, my dad's dad died when my dad was very little. I want to say kindergarten. He died also by killing himself. If I remember correctly in a rather gruesome way too, I think he like killed himself with some sort of machinery. Oh, geez. Yeah. Hmm. So all of that goes, makes um, the desire to have my own family also rather complicated because like, obviously my side of the family, I've struggled with mental health myself. When my parents went through a divorce, I went to therapy. I was on antidepressants for years. Um, My brother's been on them. My mom's been on them. Obviously my dad had something going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so my side of the family is very complicated. John's side of the family, although like from an outside perspective looking in, like the nuclear family is still intact. The, you know, they um, grew up in a, in a nice house, went to private school. Like from an outside perspective looking in, his, his life might have been quote unquote easy. Obviously, that's not the case. Um, everybody has their own problems. Um, the, his side of the family struggles with their own situation. So like John and I have had the conversation about like mental health runs in the family, mental health issues that is. So is it even right to bring a child into the world when like we might pass on this Mm -hmm. (laughs) disadvantage or whatever you want to call it? Um, But I don't know. I still want my own child, even if Mm -hmm. that is that, I don't know if that's selfish. (laughs) I think it's very human. Um, and there's, you know, there's like, I think the acknowledgement of like, ooh, is this something we want to do? I think that's a hard, even even just acknowledging that question is a very hard thing to acknowledge um, because yeah. it is like, you know, like the kids don't ask to be born. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Right. And I mean, and just because you, something like this runs in the family doesn't mean, first of all, you'll struggle with it in some sort of way that's debilitating. Um, I think, I think it has a lot to do with the way you recognize it and a little bit of self-awareness to know what it feels like and how you personally can manage it yourself. And hopefully, hopefully John and I can figure out how to like teach that, Mm -hmm. you know? And I also think in today's world, things like therapy are much more accepted. So I think children going to therapy is helpful, you know? 
maybe mm-hmm. our kids will need therapy from a young age. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, I think, and just acknowledging that that is a risk and like having a lower threshold to start things, just being like, look, let's be aggressive about this because we know that this is the thing. Yeah. And then um, pivoting to another subject, uh, do you imagine yourself, like, what do you imagine for like a spiritual background for your children going forward? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if it's so much a spiritual in like the traditional sense of spiritual as in like religion or anything like that, as much as it just is like, be a good person and an accepting person and do good for the world you know what I mean and I don't know if that is considered spiritual in any sort of way but um I don't know that's a tough one I don't we definitely there's I mean not definitely but there's most likely not going to be any sort of religion in their upbringing Mm -hmm. so yeah, a lot of what religion teaches is just about doing good and acceptance, right? And I don't mm-hmm. think you have to believe any specific religion to be good or to accept people. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's just a very interesting. Like, uh, there's a I, I have this idea of like a container, and like it's nice to have a container, and then you can break it if you need to, uh, to like put it together in a way that suits you, but um you know, yeah, it's just such an, yeah, like how it's, it's going to be like for us with June, it's a very, like, we're not sure we're still mm-hmm. figuring it out. Cause we don't attend any services. We, we have a very strong spiritual, like, um, uh, leaning, but we don't have like a formal religious like practice. And so mm-hmm. it's like, like in a similar vein, it's like, how do we do this without, you know, how do we do this? That's, that's like the real question. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like being spiritual comes with a lot of introspection and like understanding your own psyche. And so, I mean, and I think a lot of that will help with things that I was talking about before, like with any of the potential mental health issues that we may pass on to our offspring. So um, if being, if finding some sort of spiritualness that will allow them to be introspective and thoughtful, and I guess that's the type of spiritualness we should find and figure out how to pass on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going back to this list of before I die, um, if I'm remembering correctly, it was uh, you want to start a family. I forget what the second thing is. The third thing was finding balance. Uh, yeah. What was the second thing? Honestly, I forget. Oh, finding my tribe. Oh yeah. So like, tell me about that. Like what's, uh, have you ever, do you, like, do you, do you even know what it's like? No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, finding and making and like having quality relationships is not something that comes naturally to me. Um, I'm, I'm more the type that has like a few, a few friends, but close relationships with those few friends you know what I mean um John is the type that just like collects people and like all of these people are mine I'm close with all of them and I want to keep all of them I have like this many people like a much smaller Mm -hmm. amount of people um 
and I have these like pockets of close friends. Like I have, you know, friends that I had from when I was little that I have a couple that I still consider very close. I have uh, my group of friends from when I worked at a summer camp that are like still some of my absolutely closest friends in the world. And, you know, a, a couple friends from my adult life, but I don't have just like this one big core group where we all keep in touch and we all like, you know, see each other on some regular with some regularity whether it be I don't know get togethers like you guys do all these get togethers with each other and like try to keep in touch and I think that's amazing um but I would like to either somehow connect all these different people in my life or like find some sort of like core support group um but like I said I have a trouble connecting and I don't I don't know how to make that happen <laughs> mm. <clears throat> yeah and I guess that's like that's like if you don't know if you've never had like a really good example of it if you've never really done it before like how are you like what like so you got a lot like, hopefully you have like at least 30 years before you end up going so like what like what are some like when do you hope to have figured out a tribe for yourself to like know who are the people in it like, what is, I guess, what is the timeline that you're imagining? I don't know that I have, like, a specific timeline. Um, I mean, I would hope sooner rather than later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't have any specific timeline for it, really. John, the one thing that, like, John has done for me is, like, because he is a people collector and just, mm -hmm. like, is open to everybody and everything all of the time in in our few years together it, I think he has taught me to somewhat let my guard down and start trying to let people in it is like you know it maybe two inches down it's not like mm -hmm. I've opened the floodgates and I'm open to everything and everybody like he is but um I think he, watching him and watching how he can so easily connect with a person and like build a relationship from the very first time they meet is something that like I almost aspire to to be able to do that mm. watching him have a conversation with a complete stranger and like finding <laughs> information to connect with is wild I'm like how did you find all that what is, who are you <laughs> yeah he is very good at that um, yeah well um, I guess yeah, it's just, uh, you know, like with with coaching, like the first thing I always ask people, like, oh, what time, like, first thing is like, what's the goal? And then like, the second thing is like, what, when do you want to do this by? Um, and it sounds like you figure that out for weightlifting, like pretty good. And it sounds like you figure out the whole family thing and like the the getting married thing, like pretty good. But it sounds like this this one is like very much like a nebulous, you're like, oh, this is really out of my comfort zone. And I don't even, I'm going to put that on the back burner for a little while. Is that <laughs> yeah. a fair way to put it? Oh, for sure. And I think um, even more so, I sort of just sort of wait for it to kind of happen. Like my, the friends that we have found up here, it was almost almost by accident because I, when we moved, we were in Cambridge first and I found this gym that I could walk to from our apartment. It was not a barbell club at the time. They just had platforms there that nobody used so I could use them. Um, 
a little bit over a year ago, this barbell group that was splitting from the gym that they were at came into our gym. And so this group of people just sort of like fell in my lap. And I was like, oh, there are a couple of people in this group that I actually really like and could see myself connecting with. And um, so that was just like a circumstantial luck <laughs> almost to finding people up here that I could be friends with. Um, so I think even just figuring out how to go out there and find friends is hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just, just to like, let give you like the, the heads up, I would recommend getting a good start on this before baby. <laughs> Once baby shows up, it's going to be, <laughs> it's a little bit harder to make new friends. <laughs> well, then that puts a pretty uh, solid timeline on it. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, just a recommendation, you know, um and then for the final thing on that list of uh finding balance like what do you have any good examples of people who have achieved that balance that you're striving for in the same way like john with his relationships that you're like oh that's that's a good example mm-hmm. um not not that i can like immediately think of um and i think I think that's because most people are trying to probably find the same type of balance. I think most people spend a lot more time doing like working than doing anything else. And I, um, I just know that that's not something I want to do. I I have a lot of examples in my mind of people who don't have balance, which Mm -hmm. is why I want to find the balance. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, I don't like have some somebody that is like a good example for me to try and mirror myself off of. I have to try and figure out what that structure looks like for myself. Mm. So like, I guess then like the side, like along those lines would be, would, would you even know what it feels like or like that you've accomplished it if you do get there? That's a good question. I don't know. I, in my mind, it would feel like, I'm not lagging in any one particular aspect. Like my professional world would feel um, not necessarily smooth because work is always stressful. It would feel like I'm not missing something, like I'm not um, falling behind as far as getting my work done. Like it would feel like I, all right, I'm working my nine to five or maybe a couple extra hours here or there if I'm in a busy season, but I can move on from this into the next part of my day and not feel like, I'm letting somebody down at work. I can um, spend time with my family and not feel like I'm giving up work time for my family. Like, I just, I just think it'll, everything will kind of feel like in some sort of, I don't know, symbiosis. (laughs) Interesting. And um, yeah, yeah. I think, I guess like, would it, because I I think what you're describing is almost like an internal ease. Yeah. And and so like you, like you wouldn't know from looking at the, from looking at you that you're feeling that way, but you would feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you can look at somebody who doesn't have balance Mm -hmm. and see the stress. Like you can see that work is all consuming. Mm -hmm. You can see that pressures um from family are 
overwhelming. Like you can physically see when somebody is too stressed in an aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. But when somebody is balanced, I think they just, I don't know, look calm. They just, nothing seems to be weighing on them in any sort of way. And it just mm. would be a very comfortable place to be. <laughs> It'd be nice. Things would, that yeah. would be nice. Yeah. It's a good idea. Um, yeah. And so I, I would be very interested in circling back in a few years after, you know, after things are changing and, uh, you know, you go through this wacky growth period of the next five years, uh, mm-hmm. 10 years um, to see, you know, how much closer are you there or how much further away are you from that? Yeah. Well, maybe the fact that I can't think immediately think of any person that is balanced in all these different aspects of their life is because maybe it's just not something that is realistic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe it's not a state you reach for like periods of time. It's just for like moments. Yeah. Like today I feel balanced. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And tomorrow I'm unbalanced. But anyway, yeah. um, I think that's a good list. Uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about before you die or do you ready to move on to the next prompt? Mm, probably move on. All right. How do you finish that next prompt of when I die, I want? When I die, I want... Uh, I don't know, because, again, going back to being very literal, I think about this, like, when I die, how how do I want to die? <laughs> I want to die peacefully. I want to die not in pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I want... When I die, I want my family and friends to not um, be left uncomfortable or burdened in any way by me. (laughs) Um, I guess that's it. I don't know. And usually when people say things like that, I will follow up with being like, well, why is that? Why do you feel so strongly that way? And I think we've already discussed the ways in which like it is a very real uh, consideration that you have for the people who would be left behind. Um, and I would also usually ask, uh, what is a death that has affected you greatly? And I think we, we, we kind of know, but I wonder, are there any other ones that have, um, like uh, separate from your father, are there other ones that you're really like thinking about? Yeah. So I, um, there've been a lot of different people who in my life who've passed away at different stages in my life. I mean, the very earliest death I can remember is my grandfather, but I was in like sixth grade and you know, that he was very old and very sick. And so when he died, yes, it was sad, but it was just sort of like, okay, he's not here anymore. Um, but the first death that I think had a real impact on me was freshman year of high school. My boyfriend at the time drowned. Um, and we actually had, broken up a couple weeks before it happened because my mom caught us caught me sneaking out of the house and grounded me and made me break up with him because I was sneaking out to go see him Mm -hmm. um so we were broken up and I had had actually talked to him the day that he drowned on like you know remember AOL instant messenger Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was actually at my dad's house on instant messenger talking to him as he was getting ready to go to this rope swing on the Delaware river um so that's probably the first death that had like a, oh shit, life is not infinite type of uh, yeah. reaction. Especially drowning. That's such a freak accident situation. Yeah, it was like, it was like a really rough week because there there was actually a while before they even found his body. Oh man. 
Because it was the day after a big storm had rolled through. And there are sections of the Delaware that have these, like, I don't even know what they're called. They're like pockets. Mm -hmm. Delaware is not, in, in some sections, is pretty shallow, especially through some of the more areas closer to where you are and where I grew up in Pennsylvania. But then they have these, like, pockets of, like, little caves down there. And after storms the undertow in these little pockets is like really strong and so he was at this rope swing and got caught in an undertow and pulled down into one of these pockets and got caught under a rock and drowned um and so it took I can't remember if it was like four days to find his body and I woke up it was another waking up and phone calls <laughs> calls is always going to be stressful to me. in the morning <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Jeez. I woke up to a phone call um from a girl who I was not really friends with but only friends with because she was friends with him and I'm like what the hell is she calling me for um and she was calling to tell me Jimmy was missing and I was like what does that mean Jimmy is missing and she told me what happened whatever and so I immediately went over to his family's house and like spent the week with them at the river and at their house during the whole search um and then I was like I was with them through the whole like I pretty much just spent that period of time from when he went missing through the funeral with them at their house um so to be there during that whole process too was uh it was weird and rough and you know I had just finished my freshman year of high school so I was 15 years old and it was like it was a very strange time what what did you I get like you know I can't imagine that um I can't imagine what it'd be like for the parents um I can't imagine what it'd be like for the rest of the school uh it must have been a real real just like everything like there was a cloud you know like a big cloud yeah. over it. and like what did you like what you know with like 15 years of experience behind your belt or like perspective on it like what did you learn from all of that like how has that changed you well so um Jimmy like was the type of person from what I remember who just kind of like had fun in every situation and I remember I actually gave like a little eulogy speech at his funeral and just talked about how like he just made everything fun because Jimmy and I also worked at Giant together bagging groceries mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know we would have to go outside and push carts and so I would I remember in that speech talking about how we'd be outside pushing carts and he would like make it a game and make everything fun and just kind of like try and find the fun in mundane situations um, and so I feel like I came out of that situation just trying to like, as much as possible, have that mindset, um, which I don't think I'm always successful at. I don't think everybody's always successful at that. But I think that was like the main thing I learned is that life is not infinite and that to make mundane situations fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, man. So there's Jimmy and then there was your father. Is there anyone else on, that has affected you? Um... I wouldn't say affected me as greatly as those two did. I mean, there were other people I've known and friends I've had who've passed away between those two, whether it be in, in car accidents or, or things like that. Um, and, you know, they were all sad and it was rough to lose. It's rough to lose a friend 
anytime, especially when they're young like that. But I would say that Jimmy's death and my dad's death were like the biggest impact. I, that sounds like it. Um, and then one thing that we didn't talk about um, in regards to your father's death was like, what was the whole like, I mean, you kind of started to talk about it in terms of like trying to clear up the estate and then there was that phone call. Um, but like, what was like, what was the like aftermath of that? Like what, like that's such a, like when somebody completes suicide, it's just such a, there's just a lot, you know, it's not like they leave their life in a, like tied up with a bow ready for like, oh, this is the estate. It's ready to go. You know, it's like, there's just a lot of loose ends, um, like emotionally and like financially, like what, like, tell me about it. Well, I mean, so I guess part of this is why I say I don't want to leave any sort of burden on people because <laughs> like I've seen what it is to have burden when after you pass. And I mean, there wasn't anything overly complicated. And I say that because he didn't have much. Mm -hmm. um, so there were no, there was, there was truly no estate to like okay, how do we divvy this up between people? Because there was nothing to divvy up. Um, his girlfriend stole everything of any value. So, you know, we there was no nothing for the family to fight over. Um, but there was like different bills and things that my mom started getting collection calls for or that like affected me when I went to try and buy my first car because mm. <laughs> some wound up on my credit report. Um, there was just like different little things like that that would pop up that I was just like, wow, this is wildly inconvenient to have to now try and convince you that my dad is dead and so that this doesn't affect me. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, I remember when I went to, because my dad had been doing my cell phone bill. And so I was like, okay, well, he's gone and I don't want my phone to get shut off next month because he's not going to be around to pay his bill. So I need to go get my phone number off of his plan and onto a new plan like today. And so we went into the AT&T store and we said, we want to pull this phone number off of this plan and put it onto my mom's. And the guy was like, okay, well, we got to, you know, contact Peter Allen, blah, blah, blah. And my mom's like, well, he's dead. So you can't talk to him. So we need to just do this. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, um, all right, let me go get my manager. <laughs> it's just like people just don't know how to react to that, you know? And so it was just little annoying things like that. I think that were the hardest thing to wrap up after he was gone. What about the funeral service? There wasn't one. Oh. So since my mom had to do everything, when the body went to, um, what is it? The funeral home place where they mm -hmm. like, the bodies we went there and they started asking what we were going to do and it was just like is I remember looking at my mom like is I can't believe we're not going to have a funeral but like why is it her responsibility to plan a funeral she hasn't been married to this guy for almost 10 years where are his sisters where's like mm. his mom where's the woman that he's been dating for all these years like where are these people why is she doing this and so when it came down to it it was just sort of like we're not he he killed himself in this like horrible way we're, we're just not going to do it which looking back on maybe it's really cold um but I don't regret not having a funeral to be honest with you mm -hmm. um we did get him cremated and his one sister the one who keeps trying to contact me now had mentioned something about like he wanted to 
go to Ocean City, New Jersey. Like what he wanted to be cremated and he wanted to be in Ocean City, New Jersey. So what it might've been like in October or something after it happened, we like my mom, my brother, my aunt and my mom's mom, which was weird. Went to, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, went to Ocean City, New Jersey and just like dumped the plastic bag of ashes into the ocean. And it's sort of strange because literally when they cremate a body, if you're not going to spend the thousands of dollars on the pretty marble case or the pretty gold urn, they give it to you in a like box, like a card. Here's a cardboard box with a plastic bag inside with some ashes. Um, so it was very weird. <laughs> mm -hmm. Did you get like, what was like that whole, that trip to Ocean City, New Jersey is just like, well, did you get any closure from that experience? Like, what was that wacky? It just sounds so, like, bizarrely Black comedy of, a like, a situation. It was the strangest day because, like I said, it was all, like, my immediate family and then my mom's sister and mom. So there was nobody from my dad's side of the I mean, I don't even know if we told them about it. Maybe we Oh, did. it was your mom's sister? Yeah. Oh, man. I thought, okay, okay. Yeah. It was my mom's sister. So, and I don't remember if we told anybody we were doing this. I think we did, but honestly, I don't remember. Um, but it was very, it was like, we go to the, it was October. So nobody was on the beach. My aunt is there with her dog. And again, my disconnected, emotionally stunted brother is with the dog, like walking all around the beach. Uh, my mom, you know, her feelings are complicated in this situation. So she's so showing zero emotion. My aunt who likes to ask too many questions and cry too much is trying to, you know, do her prying thing. And then there's my grandmother who's like starting to lose it mentally. And so she's like, you should say something, Morgan, you should say something. I'm just like, shut up, Tootsie. <laughs> so, we just like dump the ashes and then go get lunch and drive home. It's just, it was a very strange day. <laughs> I remember actually, I didn't even dump the ashes. I, 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 I like was almost paralyzed with like, what do we do? Because all this weird stuff is happening. And so then my brother just like took the bag and dumped it. And that was it. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, that's a weird day. That's for yeah. sure. Yep. I guess and then so like going back to your experience of death, like do you have any idea what that transition will feel like or look like? Have there been any experiences that have informed it that you can even get a glimpse of what that movement will be like? No. I feel like most of the deaths I have um, experienced in my life, as far as people I've known who've died, have been rather violent. Mm -hmm. um, my grandfather, when I was in sixth grade, is the only death that was probably natural. I mean, but he had been having heart attacks and strokes for days. So he was in the hospital in a not very comfortable position. <laughs> um, so I have no idea what death is going to look like or feel like, but it's something that scares me and I think that's because most of the deaths I've known have been violent and I don't I just like I can't even imagine like a chill death like a nice one yeah like you hear about people who fall asleep and never wake up and I'm just like that happens like <laughs> can that happen to me 
Yeah. And so when you, you know, when people will say like, oh, I want to die in my sleep, I'll be like, but why? And like, for you, it's like, it's a, I think it's very clear, like why that is like an imagined reality that you're like, whoa, that would be nice versus just like all of these things that you've experienced. Yeah. Just like us. And I feel like if you're old and sick and like you, you've lived a long life and even if you're falling asleep and never waking up again is like a somewhat unexpected situation, it's just not as sad as like one day you're here and the next day you're drowned, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So yeah, like it's like, I, you know, you, I, you have a very clear reason for these desires. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a good discussion of the when I die. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we move on to the next prompt? I don't think so. How do you finish the final prompt of after I die, I want? After I die, I want, um, life to go on. I don't want, um, I don't want people around me to dwell on anything that I have done or, you know, did to affect them in any sort of negative way. I, I want my legacy to be that I lived a full, happy life. I raised a wonderful family. I have wonderful friends and everybody's happy with the life that we had together and life continues to go on. I know a lot of people want to have like these legacies that like they're remembered for years and years and years to come, but that's just like, not something I'm, I find super important in my life. I just want life to be easy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And again, I, I would like press usually uh, for that kind of response, but I think given your experiences, it is very clear why you're like, let's set the bar real low. Let's just, let's just be nice and like, make it a, like a relatively easy exit for everybody because you've had such difficult exits uh, that you've experienced and you're like, I just don't want to do that for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I, just, yeah. I think like, I don't know. I just think if you, I mean, I, I sometimes, wow, I'm struggling right now. When I look at what my dad did, obviously people look at suicide and they're like, it's so selfish, it's this, it's that, but it's always like they did what they did for the reasons that they have, but it will continue to affect everybody around them in ways that they could never have anticipated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I just want, I just don't want that to happen to anybody. I want to just move on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now... I guess like pivoting to you when, when you like think about like the future, um, like how far in the future do you think? And like, what is like, what do you even imagine for like the world or like life going forward? Like how, like beyond like, cause like the after I die is so much longer than like before I die. You know what I mean? Like it is infinite. There's an infinite, infinite timeline for that after. And like, what do you even like want for us on a larger scale? On a larger scale for like the world? Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I want there to be a world. I want, you know, people to have figured out how to stop destroying everything, destroying nature, destroying the environment. Just, I want, I want 
humans to stop killing everything. <laughs> Very simply. <laughs> Do you, could you even imagine what that looks like? Could you even imagine a world that, that kind of a world where humans have figured it out? I can't because, and I say that because everybody just like refuses to see the facts I feel like in life. And it's just like, I, I don't ever see a world where everybody is in agreement about what it is that is destroying things to be able to find a permanent solution. I just think everybody has their own opinions and everybody thinks their opinion is correct. And so there maybe eventually people will start to sway what like more in the let's save things way, but I don't even know how that'll so, Yeah, is it so is this sort of like the internal sensation of balance where you're like, I know that's what I want, but like how I get there, that's a big question mark. Yeah, pretty much. Mm, it's fair. That's a big question mark too. It's like, I go back to like, uh, the whole like Star Trek idea, like humans, like people were all doing sorts of things. And then once they met aliens, they're like, oh, we need to figure this out. And it yeah. would take something like an alien encounter or like a giant meteor or like some, something to like get us all on the same page of like, oh yeah, we should really grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I don't remember why I was thinking about this the other day, but I was thinking about Hunger Games. <laughs> the in the movies and mm. like you know how they have like the different districts you know because everything else outside of the districts has been destroyed like the earth is just like dead outside of these districts i was just like that could like happen like the world could just start to die and whatever humans are left are gonna have to like get close and wrap themselves up in a bubble and figure out how to survive because they've killed everything else around them <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that science fiction is like gives you're like, oh man, that's like really closer to the closer to the mark than I would like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so um I guess like is there anything else that you want after you die? Is there like um like is is there anything else on that list? Or is it a pretty simple like list? It's pretty simple. Yeah. Like I said, I I uh thinking about stuff on like a grander scale or like even like I don't know in spiritually or any of that I I look at stuff as like black and white and so I just want it to be simple not hard it's <laughs> <laughs> fair it's very yeah. fair um yeah that's fair and so uh you know this has been a very wonderful conversation I learned a lot about you that I did not know beforehand and I'm very glad for this time together um and thank you for being very flexible about the timing um (laughs) and so I want to give you the last few minutes or moments to speak to the audience to whoever's listening in the future whether it is uh Foley when he gets back from the thingy or like uh you know your future children in like a decade or two and they're like what was mom like before um or maybe it's just somebody who knows you um or doesn't know you at all and just like who's this morgan lady i want to she's been pretty cool uh you know the floor is yours um i think my message would just be to um look at everybody around you and be a little bit more open although i'm not exactly open to everybody and every relationship that comes my way I would I think 
I think I should be, and I think everybody should be. Um, I think, you know, everybody should be looking at each other with the light of uh, hardships are relative based on your experiences in life. And so what you might think some is ridiculous that somebody's upset about, that might literally be the hardest thing that they've ever had to go through in life. And so this is like the end of the world for them. And so I just think everybody should look at each other um, a little bit more subjectively and um, appreciate each other and be nice. And <laughs> that's really it. <laughs> I dig it. It's, you know, it's very, it's, you know, I think it's very in keeping with what we've talked about so far in terms of like all the things that have come into this Morgan as uh, uh, that's the kind of the output is just like, let's just be nice. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. So thank you very much. Uh, this has been a really great conversation uh, with Morgan Allen on death. Thank you.